started uh, a few weeks ago a series entitled Burning Questions, and what we've been doing is trying to, to really just dive into some answers of questions that you all have asked, and, uh, and so thank you again for being willing to ask those questions. We're not going to get to all of them, unfortunately, but we are definitely going to do this series again sometime in the near future, but I will say that, that some, of, uh, some of the topics that we're going to dive into or we have dip, dived into, dived, whatever, uh, Dobin, I don't even know what the right word is. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, whatever these topics are, some of them, like today's, uh, are way bigger than just a 30-minute talk. And, and so um, please keep that in mind. This is tip of the iceberg stuff. Um, and not only that, it's also my, my desire with it is to introduce to you things that maybe you haven't either thought of or you have been thinking of that you didn't realize, oh my goodness, God's word does apply to my life. It is relevant for today. Um, and, and as you dive into these, realize it's your responsibility to do, the, to do the work of it. I mean, yes, I get up here and do my thing, but I'm not responsible for you to do your part in studying the word of God on your own. And so I, I want to encourage you um, to dive into the word of God yourself and, uh, and to realize that, that through it, God wants to speak to your heart, and he wants to change your life, and he wants to help you come to understand the truth of who you are. So, so before I dive into the question for today, I'm going to ask you a question first. Who are you? Who are you? And some of you may answer that with, well, I'm a dad, or I'm a mom, or I'm, I'm a, you know, a teacher, or I'm uh, a factory worker, or I'm a brother, or I'm a friend, or I'm... That's not what I'm asking you. Who are you? Who are you in your soul? Who are you in that eternal part of you, that spiritual part of you that, that every single one of us has because we're made in the image of God, and because we're made in the image of God, we, we have a soul. We have a spiritual component to us. Who are we in that? Because who we are in our soul plays into who I am as a father, who I am as a friend, who I am as a brother, who I am as a pastor. And, and so the question I'm asking you is, who are you? And, and as you think about that, I'm just, again, I'm going to lay out some statements that we've been looking at that, we, that I continue to remind you of because these statements are, are right directly from the Word of God. I am a new creation of great worth. I am a new creation of great worth. I am deeply loved. I am completely forgiven. I am fully pleasing to God. I am totally accepted by God. I am absolutely complete in Christ. Every one of those statements comes from the word of God. And so the question that we've been asking is, is is the word of God true? Is God's word true? Because either it's true and those things are true about me and I need to to come to understand the truth of what they are and and what it means for me and and who I am in my soul or it's all a bunch of, of fabricated lies and the word of God is not true and God is a liar he he can't be one or the other he's either he's either true and absolutely true for for our lives and defining who we are as individuals, or God's a liar and can't be trusted and we should not read the Word of God. Because the Word of God can't be true if those things are not true of who I am. So, so what do you believe? 
And ultimately, it comes down to even, even more than that of, is what God has done for me enough? Because if, if I read in God's word, what I find out is, is all of those statements are true because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Not because of what I've done for me. Not because of what my mom and my dad have done for me. Not because of what anybody else has done for me, but because of what Jesus has done for me. And so if the word of God is true, then what God has done for me should be enough. But the problem is, is that we, we live and, and we struggle with our flesh, with, with, with sin, with listening to our enemy, whisper in our ears and say, you're not enough. And you need to do more to earn God's love, to earn his favor, to escape his wrath. You need to do X, Y, Z in order to do that. And, and so you need, to not ju- you need to not listen to God. You need to add more to your life. You need to do this, you need to do that. And then maybe you'll somehow achieve, but likely you never will because you're just flat out a loser. That's not God saying that, by the way. That, that's, that's the enemy saying that. And the enemy wants to get you to think that those statements that I just made could never possibly be true about you. But see, Jesus, the Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he loves you so much, even though you're a sinner, that even though you, you've done things and you've said things and you've thought things that are sin against God, he still loves you. And he loved you enough to send his son to die for you. And how, how do I know that? Because God's word says it. And I believe it. And for me, that settles it. And, and, and why do I know it? Because I've been storing up God's word in my heart. Psalm 119, verse 11. I, I have stored God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. My, 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 my motive setting out in life is not to sin against God. Like, I don't wake up in the morning and go, hmm, how can I sin against God today? That just comes pretty naturally. Not pretty naturally. It comes very naturally. Anybody else? No, don't raise your hand. Um, we're, we're all sinners. The Bible says that. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. So the beauty of our God is, is that as we, as we come to understand who he is, he changes our identity. He changes who we are. He gives us a whole new set of motives and desires and longings in our life. And we store up the word of God in our hearts, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we get to. And we realize that in those words are everything we need for life and for godliness. Everything we need. It's right here. We don't have to add to it. We don't have to take away from it. We just need to read it and apply it and let God, through his spirit, work it out in us. So we've been talking about this for the last several weeks, and so follow-up question, how'd you do this week? How'd it go? Don't, you don't have to tell me. Don't need to turn to a neighbor and tell them. If you want, that's okay. You can do that. A little accountability is good. How did you do this week at storing God's word in your heart? I spent five minutes. Awesome. That's five minutes more than maybe you did last week. I spent every day. Wow. Fantastic. Great. What are you doing to store up God's word in your heart? Reading it, meditating on it, studying it, talking about it with other people. Letting it just speak to you. Be still and know that I am God. Just listening to the word of God in your soul. How'd you? How'd it go? Feel good? Maybe you're like, mm, I could improve. 
That's a, that's a good feeling. We all could. Every one of us, me included, could do better for sure. But the beauty is, is that, again, it's not based on what I do. I'm not, I'm not, listen, my salvation is not based on my works. I'm saved to works. I'm saved to get to read the word of God and let him work in my life. That's an awesome thing. So, how'd you do? How'd you do? See, here's the thing. If, if God's word is true in these things that we just said, then it's also true in every area of our life. It has to be. If it's not, then if, it can't be true. Part of it can't be a lie, and part of it be true. It's one or the other. So this next question, this is the question we're going to dive into. Last week we talked about aliens, by the way, and so if you didn't, if you didn't get to watch that, go back and watch it, um, and, uh, and, and you can, and man, I had some really cool discussions this week about the spiritual realm and uh, aliens and stuff like that with people. Thank you for being willing to talk to me about that. Um, and uh, some, we, we talked about UFOs and some of that kind of stuff. It's kind of cool. Uh, so here we go. Question for today. Since more than 25% of the Bible is prophetic, would you discuss the signs we are seeing in these times that are fulfilling Scripture? Okay, so again, I'm going to just say this about this question. This question is loaded. Great question. Thank you for whoever asked it. Great question. What, what you need to understand is there's no way that I could possibly answer this completely in the time that we have today. So at some point, I'm, I'm really praying, I believe that God is directing me to do this. At some point in the near future, we're going to have a series um, on prophecy. So, um, so, so yes and no. I'm going to answer it yes and no. Um, and, uh, and here's what I want you to do. You need to turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is the one speaking in this passage. And so uh, we're going to find out some things about prophecy from Jesus himself. Here's one thing you need to understand as you're turning to Matthew chapter 24. What is prophecy? Prophecy is not a set of predictions, it's not a set of predictions. Um, right now, some of you understand weathermen. Some of you, um, those of you that are farmers, don't particularly like weather people. Uh, I grew up on a farm, as you all know, and my dad would uh, hear the predictions of sun all week, and he would go out and mow hay on Monday, and it would rain on Tuesday. That was not helpful for my dad, and he, uh, he blamed weathermen for that, so... Um, whatever, I don't know. But, but that's a prediction. Might come true. Possibly could happen. That is not prophecy. Prophecy is a truth statement from God that will happen. There, there is no might happen, could happen, maybe. No, it's going to happen. And the word of God, like, like the question asks, it is there is over 25%, over a quarter of the Bible is prophecy. Now, some of those have been fulfilled. Some of those, in the exact way that they were said, happened exactly like they said they, that it would happen. Every one of those that has been fulfilled has been fulfilled that way. We even talked about last week with Jesus that Jesus himself fulfilled 300 prophecies about himself. Now, there are still some prophecies that are in the Word of God that are yet to be fulfilled. 
But here's what you need to understand. They are true statements from God that will be fulfilled. It's going to happen. It is going to happen, and it may happen soon. It may happen sometime, but it's going to happen at some point in history. So what does Jesus say about it? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, starting verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives. I said this in the first service. I don't mean this to mock you. I'm just saying some people take the Bible very literally. He was not sitting on a mountain of olives. Okay, we're all good? This is an actual mountain that's called olives and whatever, all right? And so it's not a bunch of olives that he's sitting on, even though that sounds pretty good to me because I like olives. Some of you are like, oh, you're disgusting. I don't like you even more. Um, All right, so as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, in Luke chapter 19, I believe it's verse 11, we find out that the disciples believed that the second coming of Jesus was going to happen in their lifetime. They absolutely believed, and they, by looking at the signs that were around them in that time, they concluded Jesus is going to leave, but he's going to come back again in our lifetime. Now we're hearing, I'm, we're hearing this all the time and have been really since the beginning of, of, of this, this time period. Jesus is going to come back again. And lots of people have made prophecy actually, a.k.a. predictions about when he's going to come back. And guess what? He hasn't come back yet. He has not come back yet. And so, so what Jesus does here is interesting because the, the disciples are asking him, tell us when. Tell us when. We need to know now. When, 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 when. Tell us when. And what, look what Jesus does. Verse 4. Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying... Notice this, I am the Christ. Notice they don't say, I am. They can't say I am because they, not, they are not the great I am. Jesus is the great I am. That's it. Case closed. None of them are, but they'll say, I am in, I am in Christ. I am of Christ. I am here as a representative of Christ. And Jesus is saying, listen, these people are going to lead many astray. Verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And check out verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom, of this kingdom, of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. What I want to talk about in this passage are two warnings from Jesus and a promise. Two warnings and a promise. Warning number one in verse four, he says, See that no one leads you astray. Why did he need to say that to his disciples? Why? 
Because as human beings, we are easily led astray. We easily get our eyes off the main thing and get focused on to everything else around. And it happens all the time, even in the physical plane. Think about in your life. Have you ever been walking down a sidewalk or driving down a road and you look to the left and you start to do what? Move to the left. Or am I the only one that's when I'm driving that happens? Like I'm driving down the highway and, and I'll see a, a, a tractor out in the middle of the field and I'm like, wow. And I'll start to drive that direction and thank God my wife's sitting next to me because she's like, hey, you're going off the road. You know what I'm saying? Any, anybody else in here identify with that? Thank you. A few honest people, that's good. I mean, I've literally been walking down the sidewalk and seen somebody run into a wall. Or, or walking down the sidewalk and they slam into a sign. You know, one of those stupid signs that's like right in the middle of the sidewalk? Like, why in the world did they put those there? Boom! You know, and why? They weren't paying attention. They, were, they easily get led astray. We as people, and, and it's no wonder why the Bible likens us to sheep, because we're easily led Astray, easily led down the wrong path. Listen, Satan is all about doing that. He's all about getting your eyes off the main thing, getting them off onto something else. And, and, and what we need to understand and what I see so often, especially with prophecy, with end times, and with signs of the times, here's what, here's what so often happens. Just like the disciples, tell us when. Tell us when. And we get so lost in when that we miss, he is coming again. He is coming again. We get so wrapped up in, in the when. And, and, and there's all these people out there that are like, oh, the math has a, there's a code. There's a code hidden in the Bible. And, and if you just figure out the code, it will unlock the day that Jesus is coming back again. <laughs> Wrong answer. That is not true. And why does that matter? If I believe God's word is enough, and I believe what God has done for me is enough, then why do I need to try to put my mind and effort into a code that somehow is secretly planted in the word of God? That doesn't, what does that matter? Well, I think it matters because what it is, I believe, is a distraction that Satan has somehow, like we talked about last week, Vain or empty deceit, vain philosophy, according to, to man and the, and the elemental, spiritual elemental things of this world. Satan wants to dupe you into believing that you can figure out the day and the hour, except that Jesus over and over and over again, and the word of God over and over and over again says, you do not know the day or the hour. You don't need to worry about the day or the hour. Stop thinking about that. Get your mind focused on what is the right thing and not so focused on what is something that is distracting you. Because this, is, this, is hap this happens all the time. When I was in college, we had a group of guys that, that we called the stairwell theologians. You know why we called them the stairwell theologians? Because they would sit in the stairwells of our dorm and they would debate theology and they would do it, all, I mean, like with anger and frustration and with all kinds of whatever, and they would fight each other. And here was the sad part. 
Those guys would never go out and get, get involved with ministry teams and go out and tell people the good news of Jesus. How can you study theology without telling people about Jesus? And, and so, so they, what were they? they? They were distracted. They were being led astray. Listen, we get so lost up in when that we miss the fact he is coming again. Coming again. And if you continue to read in Matthew 24, it is clear that what Jesus says is you need to be ready. Be ready. Even Peter, in writing in his, in his uh, epistle, he says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 11, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and all the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be? Lives of holiness and godliness. What does holiness mean? Holiness simply means this, I want to honor and please God. What is godliness? Simply put, I want to live a God-centered life. That's the kind of life we should be living. That's what we should be focused on is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If we really believe Jesus is coming again, then why would we not want to tell everybody that we could about Jesus? If we really believe he's the only hope, if we really believe he's the only way, then why would we not want to tell everyone we could? Yeah, there's going to be people that are not going to agree with you. There's going to be people that are going to laugh at you. There's going to be people that are going to uh, potentially even spit in your face, literally. I need to still tell them. Jesus loves them. I should too. Tell everyone. See to it that no one leads you astray. And then here's the second part, verse 6. You will hear wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not alarmed. That you are not alarmed. What does that word alarmed mean? It means this. It means frightened. It means terrified. It literally means to cry aloud or scream. In first service, I I thought about screaming and just to wake everybody up. But then I thought, you know what? I'm not in the mood to call paramedics today. Um, So I didn't do it. Uh, It's frightened, terrified, a feeling of screaming. It's almost, it's almost kind of like, it sounds like almost like a temper tantrum. You, y'all ever seen those? Like, yeah, I had one the other day. Um, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> uh, check this out. It's referring to a, living a life of fear. It actually has the idea of being in a continued state of agitation, following something that's shocking, And it actually has the idea of being in a state of jumpiness. So, um, sorry, I'm throwing you under the bus, babe. Uh, Two of my girls, my only two girls, uh, I, I know when there's a bug in their room. I do. You know why? 
Screaming, wailing, gnashing of teeth is happening. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I run up there freaking out like, what's going on? I should have known. Oh, I'm like, just get a shoe and smash the bugger. That's all you got to do. I mean, just freaking out. Um, either that or I hear the, the vacuum, you know, thing going on. Screaming at the same time. Because lots of times they miss it and it flies at their head, whatever. State of jumpiness. You know, you know what's sad? Is that there's a whole lot of believers that are living in a state of jumpiness at every single thing that's happening in our world. And they're afraid, and they're terrified, and they're scared, and they're, and they're hiding, and, and, they're, and they're not willing to focus on the right thing because they're so afraid. When I am afraid, I will trust in thee. That's what the Bible says, that you and I, when we're afraid, we should trust in God. Why? Because God is in control. He's never given up control. Everything that's happening in our world today is all inevitably heading to a glorious and amazing end. And it's really not the end. It's really the beginning of eternity with God forever. That's what eternity means, forever, by the way. Isn't that an awesome thing to think about? We shouldn't look at these things and go, oh no, oh my word, I better make sure I get my money in order. I better make sure I get my stuff in order. No, what you better make sure is, is my soul in order. Am I ready to meet Jesus? Because all of the things that are happening in our world are pointing us to the glorious one, his name's Jesus, who is coming again. And, and you and I have a job to do, and our job is not to be afraid. Our job is not to be scared of what's going on in our country and in our world. Our job is to trust in the one who is in control, who has always been in control, who will always be in control, and we have nothing to fear because God is in control, my friends. Nothing to fear. If he is for us, who can be against us? God is on our side, my friend, and what you need to understand is, is in the end, God wins. God wins. And yes, things are going to, I mean, think about it. This morning, I got up at 5 a.m., and it was still dark. And I'm laying in my hammock, and, and some of you are all, like, getting jealous. I'm sorry. Don't get jealous. 5 o'clock in the morning, that's ridiculous. Uh, seriously. But anyway, I got up 5, and, and I watched the sun come up. And I know this is so cliche, but you know what the darkest point of the day is? It's right before the sun comes up. Right before dawn. And Jesus is coming again. We have nothing to fear. And Jesus says, do not be alarmed. Why? Because here's the promise, verse 14. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. I love what Romans 15.4 says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, check this out, we might have what? Hope. It doesn't say that we might have fear. It doesn't say so that we can be terrified. It doesn't say so that we can be anxious. It doesn't say that, that we will have worry. 
No, no, so that we can have hope. And hope has a name. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So what do we do? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25b. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. All the more as you see the, notice it, day in a capital D. See the day drawing near. Here's what I know. Every day that, I'm, that I wake up in the morning is one day closer to Jesus coming back. Every single day. And if he doesn't, then he's just going to take me home. Cool. So why wouldn't I want to live my life on earth considering how to stir up? I, I love some other versions. Yours may say this. Uh, it says, let us consider how to spur one another on. You know what a spur is, right? A little thing on the back of the boot. It's got spikes in it. And every once in a while, someone riding a horse has to take and go. Anybody else here ever need a swift kick in the rear end? Me every day. (laughs) We need to be spurred on. We need to be encouraged. We We need to be challenged to to love and good works, and maybe what we need to do is walk around and just go to people around us. No, not literally. Please please don't do that. You're probably going to end up in jail. Um, But I would love if we all could stand. I'm not going to ask you to do it, but if we all could stand and just start going like that. I almost kicked the table. Um, That would be just, that's spurring on. Get moving, buddy. Let's go. Our time's running out. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's get going for Jesus, whatever that looks like, wherever that looks like. And, and the beauty is, is that God lets us play a part in his story. Not my story, his story. His story. And you and I get to play a part, and, and, and I love this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, it says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What's he talking about? That whole passage is talking about Jesus coming back again. Here is, again, the point. Be ready. Jesus is coming again. Do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again? Be ready. Be ready. So, so here's my, my, my challenging question to you. Is your soul ready? Is your soul ready? Because the Bible is absolutely clear with prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, Jesus is coming again. We don't know when. It it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be 100 years from now. We don't know when. And, And we shouldn't get wrapped up in being worried about when. But what we should do is be ready. Be ready. And here's the deal. None of us are guaranteed the next five minutes. You're not even guaranteed the next breath. So what do I want to do? I want to live every breath that I have. I want to live every moment that he gives me for his glory, for his honor, and I want to tell as many people as I can about Jesus. Why? Because I want them to be ready just like I am ready. Is your soul ready? I ask you just would close your eyes, bow your head. 
There's no closing song today. It's just me, and I'm not going to sing. Some of you are like, praise Jesus. I, that question, y'all, that question, is your soul ready? I can't answer that for you. Your mom and your dad can't answer that for you. Your spouse can't answer that for you. Your best friend that's sitting next to you can't answer that for you. You are the only one that can answer that for you. It's yes or no. There's not a think so or I hope so or man, maybe. No. It's yes or no. And the beauty is you can walk out of here today and you can know my soul is ready. Yes, you can. These things were written so that you can know in whom you believe. Is your soul ready? There's one way. Again, that one way has a name. It's Jesus. It's not Harvest Time Bible Church. It's not baptism. It's not anything else other than Jesus. I'm not asking you to sign up for a religion. No. Because you know what? Religion won't save you. Won't save you. That one way has a name. His name is Jesus. Quietness of the moment. Are you are you ready? You're so ready. The beauty of Jesus is he offers to you the gift. All you have to do is take it. Wages of sin is death, the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you accepted his gift? If you don't know if you have or not, then I want to challenge you right now. Your heart and your soul, it's not about the words that you say. Yes, confess with your mouth. That is true. But even in that, he doesn't give us a set word to say. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Are you willing to do that? Some of you are plagued by the enemy in your own head telling you you could never be forgiven. You could never be set free. You could never be right with God. Friend, that's a lie that Satan is whispering into your ear. Because the Bible says whoever Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you ready? Jesus is coming again. You can deny that and say it's not true. I can't stop you. But are you willing to risk 
your eternal home on that belief. God loves you. Any of our staff that are here, deacons that are here, if you would come down to the front or to the back right now, that would be great. Why are they here? They're here for the purpose of talking to you. So when we get done here in just a moment, your eyes are closed, your heads are still bowed. When you get done here in just a second, you can make the choice to come and talk to one of us or we would love to pray with you. And like I said, there's people up here at the front, there's people at the back, and we'll be here for a little bit after the service. So when we finish, if you want to come and talk to us about what this Jesus means and what it means to follow him, we'd love to be able to talk with you about that or pray with you about that. I can't make the decision for you, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to. It needs to be your decision. It has to be your decision. Are you ready? God, thank you that you made a way possible for us to be ready, for us to know that we would spend eternity with you. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who is that way. Thank you that he gave his life payment for my sin, and he rose again and defeated the power of death so that I can have eternal life. God, I don't want to waste one more moment of my life living for me. And it just leads nowhere. Nowhere good. I want to live for you. Thank you that I can know that I'm ready. Like the Bible says, come, Lord Jesus, come. That is the prayer of our heart. But help us to long to tell others the good news of a Savior who loves them desperately. Give you praise, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you'd like to give a love offering, there are the boxes at the back, or you can hand something to one of the deacons or myself. I know that uh, the group has a table out back uh, as well. And uh, again, we're so thankful that you're here. We pray you have a great day and a good week. And know this, you are loved. Take care. See you later.